Here I am outside of the front of St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Skokie, Illinois. This is the Red-Headed Preacher. My name is Richard Lanford, and I am pleased to be able to serve this church, and it's a privilege to serve here. The, uh, the message today is called Guard Duty. It's the first Sunday of Advent, December 28th, 2021. The messages read by Marcia Hilliard are from Jeremiah 33, 1 Thessalonians 3, and Luke 21. And I'll let you uh, listen to the message. That'll tell you what it's about. <laughs> and before going any further, if you have the opportunity to please join me in a brief word of prayer. Lord, standing outside as I do, I am reminded that you are everywhere not just in a church where we sit in pews and sing songs of praise and candles are lit in anticipation of celebrating the birth of Jesus, but also wherever people are out and about, you are there for there is nowhere we can go from your spirit. So be with us, we ask, spirit, as we listen to these words wherever we are and whatever we're feeling. Bless this time together. In the name of Christ, the Word made flesh. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. And here's Marsha. Our first reading is from the book of the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 33, verses 14 through 16. You may remember that during King David's reign, God promised that one of his descendants would always be on the throne. The exile in Babylon when there was no Jewish king on the throne, forced Israel to rethink that covenant. Here God brings it up again with an eye to the future. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. This ends the reading from Jeremiah. The epistle lesson is from the first Theologians, chapter three, verses nine through 13 in what may be the earliest of the Apostle Paul's letters that we have, he offers thanksgivings and God's blessing upon his friends who get the letter. Paul writes, How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy that we feel before our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you face to face, and restore whatever is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, just as we abound in love for you. And may he so strengthen your hearts in holiness that you may be blameless before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. 
This ends the reading of the epistle lesson. Will those who are able please rise for the reading of the gospel lesson? The gospel this morning is Luke chapter 21, verses 25 through 36. Jesus foretold the destruction of the temple, and the disciples asked him, what were the signs that this was imminent? The last part of his reply is what follows. Jesus said, there will be signs in the sun, the moon and the stars, and on the earth distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man is coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Then he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down and dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life. And that day does not catch you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. This ends the reading from Luke and our scripture lessons for this first Sunday of Advent. Thanks be to God for this, the word of the God of life, for the life of the people of God. We have been getting a lot of phone calls lately at home asking for donations. If they call on a Monday or Tuesday, days off for me and I'm still in bed, and Beth has gone away or from the phone, I'm in a more susceptible spot. There are moments of weakness. Two times in those situations, I agreed to make donations, one in support of volunteer firefighters and one in support of legislation that helps autistic persons. Both, however, did say they were political action committees, or PACs, as they call themselves. Still, I said yes, because they are, are they not good causes? But truly, I do not want to give to any PACs. Usually we screen all calls from numbers we do not recognize, but the calls kept coming, usually without leaving a message. Lately, Beth has been picking up these phone calls and telling such callers, if that's who they are, to take us off the calling list. Once told, whoever's calling, who is, once, once told that, whoever is calling is legally required to do so. She has asked to take messages for me, but no, they'll try again. The number of calls has decreased some, I think, because of what 
she's been doing. One time, in trying to uh, do the same, follow her lead, I picked up one call, and it was a solicitor from a PAC related to some other organization that I knew I had not pledged a donation to. I already mentioned the two that said they were PACs, that, uh, and that had taken care of those. I sent those pledges that I made. But this was somebody else, and they said that I had made a pledge, and they were wrapping up their books uh, next week, and could I please send this along? Um, folks are calling up and lying to get a pledge from me, hoping to catch me confused. Um, so I told this guy we don't give to PACs and asked him not to call again. And Beth said, I needed to say directly, put us on your do not call list, because what you say here matters. Did I get that right? <laughs> so what are we doing then? Trying to minimize the numbers of those annoying, unwarranted, excuse me, unwanted, they may be warranted, and often poorly timed calls. Trying to maintain some peace and quiet at home, we are, in a way, being on guard against those callers now a little more proactively. So we are on guard duty when our phone rings, and often when cell phones ring too. Let the good in, and keep the often not so good, and maybe even the lying, out. Well, that's one of the Advent messages, you know. Be on guard be watchful, be alert, not about who's calling, and if the caller is trying to con you into giving your credit card number over the phone, which is something I've never done, uh, it, but the keeping on guard is much more important than that. In Luke 21, Jesus told the disciples, quote, be on guard. Okay, well, stepping away from the, the solicitor's angle, what Think of things that need guarding or are under guard. Well, prisoners need to be guarded lest they escape back into the general population and cause harm. Banks are guarded to uh, keep out thieves and robbers. Homes are guarded if that's affordable. We guard our identity online to the best we can with various software. Here we're told to be on guard by Jesus. Okay, then what are we guarding there? He went on to say, be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down. Dot, dot, dot. So we are guarding our hearts. I was reminded in preparing this sermon that for the people of that era, heart was not really the seat of the emotions. In 1 Thessalonians, you may remember reading, and may God grant, and may God so strengthen your hearts in holiness. Now, my study Bible footnote to that verse helpfully says, the heart is not the organ of feeling, as in modern speech, but the controlling center of personality. You and I, then, are to be on guard duty for our hearts, for the controlling center of our personality, where Christ is to be at the center. Going back to Jesus then, be on guard so that your hearts 
the controlling centers of your personality, are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life, and that day catch you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Yes, Jesus is talking about when Christ returns. But since we do not know when that will be, the call to guard duty seems to be always relevant. Protecting the controlling centers of our personality is always supremely important so that negative behaviors and the dynamics which develop them or trigger them are dealt with before time runs out. One preaching resource put it plainly. It said of dissipation, etc., why should this be a concern? Because if dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life break through our defenses and capture our hearts, that day will catch us unexpectedly, like a trap. Singer-songwriter Amy Grant recorded an album years ago called Unguarded. One song called who to listen to is up this alley. The, the refrain is, you've got to know who to, who not to listen to. They're going to hit you from all sides. Better make up your mind who to, who not to listen to, listen to. Then a verse, how can you know what is true and just? How to know who to trust? Here comes a man with a scam to sell. How can you tell? You've got to know there's a bigger plan. Room to fall, room to stand. Pray for the plan to begin in you. Keep your heart true. She acknowledges the temptations and confusion we can face as guards of our hearts, guards of the controlling center of our personalities, the center of which is meant to be Christ. Knowing who to listen to and who not to and when is part of our guard duty. Knowing what to let in and what to turn away in Christian love, of course. On that same album is another song called Fight. In one verse she sings about her spiritual struggles doing what our Jesus-loving heart does not want, but we do it anyway, and not doing what our hearts under God want us to do, like Romans 7. Some lines go, Sometimes I try with passion, sometimes I won't. I, mo I might just hold my guard up and lock my heart up tight, but it's the door that's open, letting in the light. There's a battle raging inside of me. It's a holy struggle, and it won't let go of me. I've made up my mind now. I don't want to lose out unguarded. Beginning to see now what the fight is about. Unguarded heart. I gotta stay open. Keep defenses all down. Unguarded. Don't want to be hiding when the love comes round. Knowing who to listen to and who not to listen to 
if we keep our hearts too tightly locked up, if the guard is up all the time to everything, we will miss the love when it comes around. Unless that one door that she sang about earlier is open. So you and I have an affirmation of the wisdom of being on guard duty, but also of the wisdom we need to be so alert, we know we can let someone, especially the persons and things of God, in into our heart, into the controlling center of our personality of which Christ longs to be the center. That wisdom of when to be open, to let our guard down, is to be prayed for. And as part of your spiritual vision, all of us on guard duty guard our hearts and souls. All of us who are on this duty, we need healthy spiritual vision. Healthy spiritual vision provides spiritual perspective also. Something you and I always need, whether we believe we are in the last days as Christ spoke out to or not. Wisdom, when, when not. One of the things Jesus warned us against are not only dissipation and drunkenness, but something often overlooked, what he called the worries of this life. The worries of this life can get past our guardianship if you and I are less than wise, less than keeping as balanced a perspective as we can. The worries of this life can make mountains out of molehills. The worries of this life, unchecked and undealt with, can propel an otherwise patient person into road rage. The worries of this life can hook our concerns about this conversation or that pending visit and catastrophize them before anything happens. The worries of this life can get us so wound up for no good reason. The worries of this life can even whittle away our faith if we let them. Don't you let them. Guard duty is careful. It's not hard, though. It's not hard to get carried away with the worries of this life. Some of our life situations are truly life-threatening or soul-terrifying. They may affect more than just ourselves, and often do. There was a time I loathed the title of the book, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, and It's All Small Stuff. I have a little more appreciation for it now than I did then, and I have not read the book. I'm just talking about the title. I imagine that it's anti-catastrophizing. A lot of stuff is small on the big scale of things, and we make it into larger-than-life problems, but it is not all small stuff either. Try telling that to some of the people we just prayed for in prayers for healing or other kinds of grace. Oh, that's small stuff. Don't sweat it. Some things I suggest are godly enough, though, to let in through an unguarded heart to help us deal with whatever comes our way, life on life's terms, our community life and love for others. How long, actually, you know, how long can you and I excel on such significant, if delightful, guard duty all by ourselves? We are not meant to. 
How long can we be dutifully alert on keeping the worries of life away that can be kept away and not taking us over without losing our loving core? How can we keep our spiritual vision and perspective? Well, I get hope from Luke and Paul. Luke implies that to disciples, if we stay on guard duty, keep our hearts protected from what can rust them or distract them, these inspirational words apply to us. Jesus said, now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. This is all good news. This is all good news. Stand up. Raise your heads. Your redemption is drawing near. The kingdom of God is near. As, as guardians on guard duty of our life, our heart, we know the need for God's grace. And we know the need to stay true to the one who died for us and rose again for us. If we do these things, we should be able to escape those things and stand before the Son of Man. Because we are told that we get to stand up and raise up your heads. That is an overcomer's posture. That is a posture of the hopefully and faithful victorious who still have to go through a bunch of crud. But they, are, they know who will help them through it. This is eternally good news. He said this to the disciples, a group of the faithful, which means a community. Even more directly, a community was the church at Thessalonica. In the epistle lesson, the grand apostle expresses his presumably mutual wish that they see each other in person at last. Sounds like the worst days of COVID without vaccines, when we couldn't and shouldn't. Night and day, we pray most earnestly that we may see you face to face, he wrote. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you, to you, the church, community. Community, those of us, which should be all of us on guard duty, need the support, the wisdom, and the encouragement from one another. We are not called to be Lone Ranger Christians. They tend to burn out. Community in Christ is something we do not want to keep out, but to become unguarded so as to become part of one or several groups of the faith, and they become part of us. Not that we don't need discernment even there. Secondly, something else holy and hilarious is to let, to let in is love and loving relationships within this community and communities and outside them. We heard you read, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, just as we abound in love for you. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear or say the word abound, I think about bouncing. This is abounding. Abounding in love. Increase in love for one another. Don't get hung up on the relatively small stuff of petty differences 
or personalities that don't quite get along and hold a grudge, don't get caught up in being so, I'm too inconvenienced, I can't help you out, if it's not really true, because sometimes we just, let's not get caught up on that. Sometimes we are, it's not possible, Sometimes we need to be inconvenienced to help someone out, and we find that we get blessed because of that, because we follow the call of the Spirit. It's a love that comes from God into us by grace. That's a love which works on forgiving the other person, or at least trying, working on it. It is a love that goes the extra mile to ensure everyone is welcomed and included, especially those who grew up feeling unwelcomed or unclean by church. Having an unguarded heart in our guard duty, when agape love, which already has a home in our heart, in the controlling center of our personality, still wants to get in. And lastly, guard duty can also be about guarding our communities of faith and beyond. From the ruinous influences Jesus mentioned that can distract us and yank us off the path of Jesus. I was touched by Jeremiah's vision of the coming king after God's own heart. The Lord said this righteous branch was coming like David reborn, who shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. Is it not for the good of all the people, not just those who try to follow Jesus, that our rulers are also to be those who carry out justice and make right judgments in our land? Do we who serve the lover and judge of the world, not have a prophetic call to call on our leaders to be just. I believe this is an extension of love and something else we on guard duty can let into the controlling center of our personalities. In community, in mutual love, and in our desire to always be blameless before God at the coming of Jesus Christ with all his saints by the grace of God and through our guard duty, together we are on sacred ground. We are doing sacred guard duty. Amen. Okay, you have your marching orders. And perhaps... The sermon brought other things to your mind. You know, sometimes we find ourselves, uh, our thinking gets spun off to different directions because of something we heard. So maybe something helpful in guard duty will spring from wherever your train of thought might have taken off to. Thanks again for listening. It is appreciated. And... Next week will be the second Sunday of Advent. Barb Todd is scheduled to be our lector. You'll find out next week. And thanks again. And may God bless your week. Amen.